0: Hey guys, welcome back to ADAPT. This podcast, along with my newsletter, documents my pursuit of new talents, from music, to cooking, to workouts, and a whole bunch more. In this episode, I sit down with singer-songwriter Travis Smith to talk about the songwriting process and the making of his debut album, Wildness. We cover a lot of ground, from his musical upbringing to a live performance of his single, Try, and then an in-depth breakdown of how he wrote it, from how he came up with the guitar riff to the full lyrics and the whole thing. Before we dive in, a couple things to keep in mind. Number one, I hope this episode will kind of peel back the curtain a bit on all the work that goes into some of your favorite music and give you what you need to have a little bit greater appreciation for the music that you listen to. Number two, uh, if music and songwriting is something that you're interested in, I hope this will make those pursuits feel a little bit more approachable uh, and give you a structure to get started. I would recommend uh, applying a lot of Travis's songwriting tips to your other creative pursuits. At its core, this whole conversation is really about doing your best creative work. After this episode, I would highly recommend pouring yourself a bourbon, finding Travis's album Wildness on Spotify or Apple Music, and listening to it front to back, no interruptions or distractions. Without further ado, please enjoy this whiskey-filled conversation with singer-songwriter Travis Smith. You're listening to a podcast I produce for subscribers of my new newsletter, ADAPT which documents my pursuit of new talents, including songwriting, artificial intelligence, cancer recovery, starting businesses, cooking, wine appreciation, and whatever else strikes my fancy. Subscribers get access to this and future episodes in their favorite podcast app, limited edition products in the online shop, and monthly giveaways that raise money for some of our favorite charities. To me, being human is about being more than one thing. So if you've got some time and want to broaden your horizons, click the green subscribe button on your screen to subscribe for free tell me what you want to learn about at SeanJay.net. All right, so I'm sitting here sipping whiskey virtually with our boy Travis. Trav, we're going to talk about some songwriting today. How do you feel about that?
1: I feel great about that. Very Good. excited.
0: What are, you, what are you sipping on over there?
1: Uh, I have some Knob Creek, some stimulus money. Knob Creek.
0: <laughs> Got yourself a big old bottle of yeah, it, huh? Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Enough to hopefully last me another six weeks or so, but we'll see.
0: How's how's that? You think you're going to last a full six weeks?
1: Uh, it's not at this pace. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. This Cut was this was intended start. to last a lot longer, but yeah, uh, when I'm in my apartment for 24 hours a day. And it's just sitting in my counter looking at me. It's uh, hard, to,
0: hard <laughs> exactly. to get clear of it. It's just whispering to you, Yeah,
1: Travis. all day long. Uh-huh. All day long, yep.
0: Well, thanks for taking the time. I mean, you're one of the few people, you're very nonchalant about this and you don't really talk about it much, but you're one of the few people that I know that has written and produced an album, a legit music album. You don't really talk about that much, but it's kind of a big deal. So I wanted to kind of talk about the songwriting process with you because, you know, I think that's something obviously you're super talented at. And it's something that I'm kind of interested in terms of just as a fan of music, how this all comes together. So I guess I wanted to just kick it off by asking, how did you get into songwriting and and what do you love about it?
1: I got into, I mean, I don't ever remember a point where I didn't like songs, even back going back to like when I was learning to play saxophone in elementary school, like fourth grade, fourth or fifth grade, I remember going over to like my, one of my friend's houses with my saxophone and trying to like write songs with him. And that was, that was as far back as I can remember trying to like actually create music, but it's always been like our, our house always had music playing in it growing up. So it was just kind of always something that was around and never something I questioned. I think I always wanted to create like, so going back to the saxophone thing, I remember when I started playing saxophone, my dad bought me a Charlie Parker CD as like a, all right, if you're going to play saxophone, you have to know who Charlie Parker is type thing. And that kind of set me up with this mindset my whole life of like, I guess what the potential was. It wasn't just like I'm playing saxophone and I'm playing, learning whatever sheet music my teacher is putting in front of me. It was like, I'm learning that, but I have in the back of my mind, like here's the king of this. And that was really cool for me. And I think that was a big motivator like going into a few years later when I started getting into the actual songwriters, like the Bob Dylans and any bands that I liked. I was, I grew up on the Beatles. So when I started diving into that stuff a little more, it was always in the back of my mind that like I could do this. And that's just kind of, I don't ever remember a period of time where that wasn't in my head as a possibility. So I I just kind of ran with that. And I liked, I don't write, I never wrote very often and I still don't write very often, but it's always, I'm always trying and I'm always thinking about it, which is, it's kind of a cool I I like that it's a part of my life. I've never, like, I guess I've never questioned that it's always been there. Like,
0: does this sound like... Yeah. Well, yeah, and it strikes me, like, I played sax when I was in elementary school, too. But I think what strikes me is different about you is, you know, from the get-go, it sounds like you were looking at learning an instrument not just to play somebody else's music, but to ultimately be able to play your own music.
1: Yeah, I think that's probably a fair assessment of it. Like I said, I grew up on the Beatles, so I always grew up on the Beatles, but then when I was a kid, I knew John Paul George Ringo. Almost forgot his name there for a sec. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, I, I knew all those guys, and I knew that... I maybe didn't understand the full process of it, but I knew that they created that and that they were, like, the best at that. So it always was in my head to like, I thought that was really cool. I want to kind of do that. And I would, I, yeah, I never really got into like poetry or anything like that at a young age, but I remember writing like the first song I ever recorded was an instrumental guitar (laughs) guitar song. I'm pretty sure it was just like five and a half minutes of me like soloing on a mandolin over an acoustic guitar like that I liked, (laughs) but it was, uh, yeah, it's always just been... And I was in a like a punk band with some buddies in high school that I... So we were, we were creating then too. I wasn't the main writer there, but we were always creating. And I always liked that whole process of like... And now I just knew that it was possible to create the music. That just was always something that really interested me.
0: Yeah. So how old were you when you wrote and recorded that first song, The Mandolin?
1: I probably was like... 15 or 16 when I was so when I was learning sax so I was in fourth grade my dad blew his knee out playing soccer and he's a big fitness guy and I think out of fear that he was going to drive himself crazy my grandpa rented him a guitar I think for a month an electric guitar as like a stay sane please (laughs) that ended up turning into him buying a guitar and so like he would play like he would learn he learned like the 12-bar blues which is one of the more basic like it's one of the things you learn early on in guitar and I knew like the blues scale just from my band teacher teaching that to me I was in like jazz band in elementary school too and so I knew that and I kind of knew Generally, like if I use those notes, I can improvise. So what we would do is after dinner, like he'd play his twelve-bar blues, and I'd play. I'd like solo over that, and so we were always mm. kind of like making our own music in some in some capacity. I and mean, we were learning our instruments together, which was kind of cool. I think. I think. Yeah, that didn't. That's not everybody. Like, not everyone has that. So. I think that. Could
0: yeah. So, how old was your dad at this point when he, you know, because did he not? He didn't know guitar before. No. Before this point, so he learned it. At, how old was he when he was learning guitar?
1: Uh, my dad was, <laughs> my dad was thirty for about fifteen years, I think. But <laughs> at
2: least in my <laughs> eyes, so
1: I, I think he was probably like forty, like maybe over forty, just over forty, maybe. I, okay. Somewhere around there, but yeah, he had no musical background except for like he loved music and that's really all it was so he's i mean you know him he's since gotten very very invested in it but yeah that was not always the case like he got into that the same i think within the same 12 month period that i started playing saxophone and okay so a few years later we had guitars we had a few guitars lying around the house at this point and that's when i started they set me up with lessons because i wanted to that so yeah
0: yeah so you said like the one of the basics that that you learned early on is with the 12 bar blues
1: yeah so he he knew like the blues like just the one four five like standard blues progression on guitar and then I was in a jazz band in elementary school and they would give us these like real simple jazz songs to learn and then they'd have like kids go up and do solos in the middle of the songs just as like to as like a show offy thing for the parents. But Mm -hmm. it was the way that they did it is they taught you like the blues scale, which is like, all right, within the notes that are on the saxophone, if you hit these, I I forget how many notes it is, but like any of these notes work, play them in whatever order you want, whatever order sounds good. And I kind of had a knack for that pretty early on. I, I, do always remember feel, feeling a little bit like I was better at that than the other people and the other kids. So I, that was just straight improvising over my dad's like backing guitar tracks at home. That I think made me a little better at it. But
0: yeah. So what is that like? Do you, if you got a guitar handy, like what does the, t- the 12 yeah. bar blues uh, sound like? Like I feel like that would be.
1: So that's just your basic like like uh
0: okay
1: so then like me as a saxophone player i my dad would play that and that was what he was working on like that was his skill level at the time was essentially that and then my skill level at the time was essentially just being able to like play notes on top of it and it was kind of cool like it was this cool moment that him and i had i think but yeah, that was, I remember that distinctly. And my little sister played piano and I might be misremembering this, but I vaguely remember her jumping in there once or twice, but it was mainly just me and my dad doing that. But they were always really encouraging of us learning music and would reward us with like, we had a practice chart in our kitchen. So when you hit a certain number of hours of practicing, they would buy you either like a CD or a video game. So they were always encouraging Mm -hmm. of us to like practice but also like they wanted they would take us to like the house of guitars when we were little and like buy us cds right before a family vacation because we it was walkmans at the time so they would buy us like they let us pick out one or two so they're always playing us music that they liked but we're very encouraging of us finding our own music too which uh is cool
0: yeah. Yeah. Do you remember if there was was there any like one album or song that you remember being you know something that really kind of sparked your your love of music?
2: Not
1: particularly. I remember a few songs like we used to blast the Rolling Stones. A lot and but again, like I just I never thought that that was anything unique. I thought everyone just blasted the Rolling Stones after dinner, like I thought that's what you were supposed to do, so but there was a few of their songs. There was a moment in I think I was in seventh grade where I picked up a wilco c d so my dad had again my he had a big c d collection, and I saw this one c d sitting in his car. And it was the first Wilco album, AM is the name of it. And the first song on it was I Must Be High. And I think I as like <laughs> 13 or 12 or 13 year old, however old I was, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. So then, <laughs> I remember seeing that sitting in his center council in his car once. And then like a year later, I went and found the CD in his collection and like put it on. And that, I think I listened, I don't know that I listened to like, really any other music other than that CD for like a year and a half. But it was it was just on constantly. My bedtime ritual every night was I had my Walkman next to my bed and I would shut the lights off and put the C D on and listen to whatever CD it was over and over again. And most like I distinctly remember doing it with that one Wilco album. But that was just a, that blew the doors off on so many like genres I didn't know existed. And like that got me into the whole that really got me into like the alt country Americana singer songwriter world that I had no idea really existed. I knew who Bob Dylan was. I knew who Neil Young was beyond that. I didn't really know much. And those guys are so prolific that it's like, it's, it's almost hard to, they kind of stand alone, but being able to see like, this is a whole world of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of artists that just write songs and they're all great songs was really cool to me. And for some reason I just gravitated towards that and then just progressed onwards from there. But I do remember that album being like distinct. The Wilco
0: album. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So how did you go from, you know, just lover of music to basics of 12 bar blues to actually writing a song?
1: i had a girlfriend who i tried to write a song for i don't think it was very good so we broke up shortly after but no i i don't really remember i remember when i went to college my grandparents got me a mac as my like going away to college resident and the mac had garage band on there and so and i had also been playing in that band in high, like that punk band in high school for a few years so all of a sudden now I'm at college I'm on my own I'm not in a band anymore I don't necessarily have that outlet so it's just me that's where I really like those four years is where I really learned to play and sound good on my own and I got more like my rhythm guitar playing my finger picking all that stuff just got a lot better because I was like I said I was playing on my own and I wanted to make sure that I sounded good and like that I was interesting enough for people to continue to listen to as I played. So those years were the really like defining years for my music and my style.
0: Yeah. So in college, like, what do you think made you gravitate towards songwriting? Was it just like the creative outlet or, or the love of the music or
1: I think it was both I was getting in like I got into some of the bands that I still listen to today when I was in college so I remember freshman year like so it's 2008 so that year like the first Bon Air record came out came out the first Fleet Foxes record came out I had dove way deeper into the Wilco catalog there was a guy M. Ward who put an album out, that one really resonated with me just cause it was like, I had never heard anything like that. It was very like spacey and reverby. And I just, I realized how much potential was there in just being able to write a song and like build it up. Like before you even get production involved, you can write a song that's like a stripped back version of the actual produced version of the song. And it can like, be really moving and and cool and i yeah i, I think so I, those were the bands i was gravitating towards was the ones that were writing really good songs and so i wanted to be like them and kind of like follow their steps so that's really where that so like, came from
0: yeah so if you you know what is your what is your songwriting process look like right now so you kind of you mentioned write and put together a stripped down version of a song. Where does an idea for a song come from? And like, how does that come together?
1: It's almost always just from like noodling around on the guitar.
0: Um, Hmm.
1: So it's, I, I, some people will write lyrics and then put them over top of music. I don't find that that works for me. So for me, it's literally just sitting there strumming guitar and then, I'm usually not looking to write a song. Like the songs that I have written usually involve me like running to go grab a pad and pen because I'm realizing like okay it's coming something's,
0: something's happening. happening
1: here. So a few of those songs on that I wrote uh the ones from wildness that I wrote in college were already gone drinking temporary. I wrote those 3 in like a very quick period of time, and then all three of them were written very quickly, individually. And then end of senior year, I, I wrote St. Patrick's Day. Those so those four came from my college years, and the process for those was all very like quickly. Oh, it's happening! Like, let me. Yeah. Jot this down.
0: So is it almost kind of just like you're, you're riffing on the guitar and yeah. then it starts yeah. coming together and you're almost just like trying not to get in the way.
1: Right. So exactly. When I was writing, when I wrote already gone, I was on a family vacation. I was down in the Finger Lakes, which is referenced yeah. in the song there.
2: And
0: yeah.
1: I was sitting in my bedroom of like the, the like lake house that we rented and I was trying to learn a Bob Dylan song. I was trying to learn Mommy, You've Been On My Mind. And he goes, in that, he goes from like a C to an E7 chord. And that was something I hadn't... I don't know if I'd heard it before or whatever, but for whatever reason, in this day, it caught my ear. So I was like, I want. I wonder what that is. And I f- figured it out. And then I was like, oh, that's cool. And then I just started like finger picking. And then it like, I mean, it probably... From that moment to when the song was finished was probably like a twenty-minute period. Wow, which is which makes it really hard to talk about like what my process is, I guess, because there's a lot of them are just like flashes, and you kind of just have to be ready to take it down.
0: Yeah, so, hang out to the rains. Right.
1: Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Well, it seems like so much of the process, like a big part of the process is just kind of like setting the table, you know, just, just showing up, picking at me, you know, picking up the guitar and, and then just waiting until something happens. Right.
1: Yeah. It's not for a few years there. I like after this album came out and I was starting to think about like, I got to do another one. Now there's a few years where I was like, I think I was just trying to be too, I was trying to do too much where I was like, I I just was like, I've done one, like the second one's going to be even better now. And I I don't think I allowed myself those moments of just like, just writing a song just to have written the song, which is why, or which is how a lot of those songs on that first album came together was just for the sake of like, I liked the process of it and I wanted to do it. Once that pressure kind of came in of like, I want to do this again and it's got to be better, then it was like, eh, that's not, working out for me and it took me a long time to kind of backpedal a little bit and reset myself to where I'm no longer doing that. And I'm just trying to write again, just for the sake of writing.
0: Yeah. Enjoy the process. Kind of exactly. So I think it would be cool to, you know, if you were able to kind of like take us behind the scenes of one of the songs that was on the album Wildness, like if you could play play it for us and then kind of like walk us through what was the process, like how did that come together sure. from like what were what were you doing at the time or how did you kind of piece together what was started as nothing and then it ended up being this, yeah. you know, all right, really catchy jam.
1: Yeah, I can do I can do try. I like playing try. I love that jam. Yeah, we'll do try. Just play it through.
0: Yeah, play it through and then and then we could talk about it afterwards.
2: Can you hear that?
0: Yeah, cool. <laughs>
2: night, it's pulling the tides, it's blinding my eyes, and I can't sleep, at least not well. And these thoughts, they bleed between the bad, bad dreams of you, and the talk we had this afternoon, and I just want to rest. But this is still so fresh. I don't want to leave your side. No, I'd like to stay here my whole life. I think I'll live forever, baby. I think I'm too scared to die. I've seen people jump shit just as the sun starts to rise. Lord, I wish we'd try. here before and why I've locked those doors, why I never go there anymore. Some nights the drinking helps, others doesn't do the trick. And that path it crosses with some Bad, bad roads, think about holding hands and romantic poems. And well, I think I'd rather feel alone than be feeling like this. Cause I don't wanna leave your side. No, I'd like to stay here my whole life. I think I'll live forever, baby. I think I'm too scared to die. Because I've seen people jump shit just as the sun starts to rise. Lord, I wish we And watch you clear the floor and watch you pack up your things and watch you walk out the door and watch you walk away from everything. And I don't understand anymore. Cause I don't want to leave your side. No, I like staying my whole life. <laughs> I think I'll live forever, baby. I think I'm too scared to die. Cause I've seen people jump ship. And I've seen people jump ship. And I've seen people jump ship, people jump ship. just as the sun starts to rise. Lord, I wish we'd tried. Thank mm-hmm. you.
0: gotta tell you pal just sitting here sipping a scotch listening to that song is one of the more more enjoyable things I've done in a long time
1: (laughs) Uh, yeah I'm happy to do that over webcam (laughs) um yeah no that one was a fun one to write that one's a fun one to play too so as far as like the process when I had two separate I had this guitar lick right (laughs) So I had that, which I've been playing just kind of on its own for a while. Just kind
0: of messing around on the guitar.
1: And then I was, I was dog sitting actually for my cousin and um, he has a guitar. So I didn't, I, I like lived at his house for a week basically. And I was playing his guitar for that week. And if you, If you're like, I guess any sort of equipment or that you get familiar with, but really like with instruments, if you play an instrument, like you get to know your instrument really well. And when you play someone else's, it does kind of like you you change how you play it a little bit. So like, I attribute that to like the... I think that just came from his guitar more than any like i don't know that i would have ever landed on that if i was playing
0: if you were playing your own guitar right
1: if i was playing my guitar or like any of my dad's which i'm pretty familiar with and comfortable with but during this time when i was like staying at their house i was trying to play like a jazzy chord and i'd like i didn't know what that meant but i knew what it kind of looked like I'd seen, like, people playing it, and so I landed on, like, that chord. Yeah. And I, going from there to, like, I think I was, uh, something there, just, like, it all fell in place around it, and I had that lick. And then, so once I had that, like, cycle, it all just kind of came, those two guitar parts kind of fell together for me.
0: Yeah. So can you play those three licks again? And then like, and then like the, what's the final product? So
1: I'll play. Yeah. so So that was the dog sitting lick. Yeah. The other lick was.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: So they're in the same key and they're kind of the same rhythm. And they got the same kind of like backbeat to them. So I started playing them together, just cycling like that. And then, so that that was built, and for me, like that was the foundation I needed to start doing the lyrics. I was excited enough about like all those guitar parts. So I was like, "This is super cool. That's probably the coolest lick I've come up with ever." Uh, so <laughs> really, sad. it's
0: really fucking catchy, man. It's
1: it's I uh, <laughs> don't toot my horn very often, but that one's I I will sit there and play that for hours, um, yeah, and not stop. So so lyrically where I was I wrote for three verses first so the song is like verse chorus verse chorus I have like a guitar solo section and then I go into like a verse a third verse that ends on that five chord so it's a slightly different and then it goes back into the chorus and then it goes into the outro so it's a pretty standard song structure I didn't think it needed much more than that and it was just like all right, let's write some words. And a lot of the time I s- guess I start is just like spit something out and see what, if it's cool or not. Yeah. And I remember it was like,
2: I was like, There's a dark morning, a a it's my eyes. I can't sleep. Something like that. Yeah. And then
1: once you have that, then you can kind of pull that off of, like you can put it onto a page, I guess, and then break it out kind of by rhythm and just write to like that sort of rhythm.
0: That kind of like cadence. Right.
1: So the first verse, like what I found I sang about, well, like it wasn't intentional, but what I sang about was like, trying to fall asleep basically and not being able to fall asleep because something's on your mind the, it was sort of autobiographical at this point. So like the so the thing that was on my mind was like, I had just a relationship I was in had just ended and I had, I basically wasn't ready for it to end. Like I felt like it was ending prematurely. So that was the thought that was kind of like occupying my brain at the time. Um, yeah, And so that's the night I had in mind when I was like, I can't sleep. So that was sort of the vision I started having for the rest of the song was just like, let's tie it all into this idea that like something can end before you're ready for it to end and how to cope with it, I guess, or how, how people deal with it.
0: Yeah. So when you typically, when you write songs or like even just for, for this one, if it's, you know, kind of autobiographical, does the process of writing the song, is that, it would strike me that 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 would be kind of therapeutic. It's
1: definitely therapeutic because part of the process for me anyways is like the songs that I've always gravitated towards and I think the ones that stand the test of like time are the songs that are really pointed, really like descriptive, You know exactly what they're talking about, but there's enough room in there for you to like come in with any baggage that you have too. And so, like, you can hear whatever the song is and like know exactly what they're talking about, but you are interpreting it through your own experiences. Cause I could sit there and say, like, it's 68 degrees in here, I'm a little sweaty. It's, you know, it's one forty-five in the morning and like be really specific like that. But that's just not interesting in my, from my perspective. So like being able to paint a picture that's kind of.
0: People all kind of assign their own.
1: Yeah. And it's like,
0: to your, value too.
1: your point, it's like, it's autobiographical for me, but it's also therapeutic in the sense that like, while I'm doing this, I'm reminded, I'm telling myself that like, this is not, I'm not alone in this like this this has happened to a million other people before like and it's kind of a cool reminder and a cool way to like process it but yeah it's it's the goal I don't ever want to write something that's like that's so specific that people can't relate to it
0: yeah well I think that's so much the the power of so much music is just like when you hear a song there's like the you know, the riff and the rhythm to it of it being really catchy, but, but it's also like when you hear a song that you really relate to or really resonates with you, it, yeah, it, like you said, it gives you a feeling that I'm not the only one, you know, especially if it's something that you're, you're going through or struggling with at the time, it kind of gives you that feeling that I'm not the only one that is going through this.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And like the, I think the thing to get back on like, songwriting like when you say a line that's really descriptive like people can fill in the gaps around it you don't need to describe every detail you can you can kind of fill in there was a i did this songwriting course once and we actually studied margaritaville by jimmy buffett and so the first three lines of that song are just like he's like nibbling on sponge cake I'm watching the sun bake, all those tourists covered in oil. And like, all he's saying is like, he's, he could have said, I'm chewing on sponge cake. He could have said, I'm munching on sponge cake. He could have said all sorts of things, but he said nibbling on sponge cake. And that's like the most lighthearted activity you can do. Like that's the yeah. most carefree thing ever. And then it's like, I'm watching the sun bake all those tourists covered in oil. So like, you know exactly where he is, even though he hasn't said where he is, you know, yeah probably what it sounds like, you know, what it smells like, you know, everything about it. And all he said is what he's eating and what he's watching. And it's like, yeah, that's a funny example, but like, that's, those are what the good songs do. Are they like, they're specific enough about the right things and then people can fill in the gaps about the rest of it around it. And you can kind of bring yourself into that world or you get pulled into the world. I, I don't know which one it is, but.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, that's like that's a perfect example of he just he like invented this place that doesn't exist. Yeah, but everybody feels like you know they kind of they they know exactly what it is, and then they kind of assign their own location for it. (laughs)
1: Yeah, exactly. And then like as the song goes on, like his life becomes more and more of a mess, and it becomes like less and less fun as the song goes on. Because like at the end, he's flying home, and he's like. He doesn't have, like, he blew out his flip-flop. He got this, like, horrible tattoo. And, like, he's kind of not feeling good about his life, but he never comes out and says, like, I'm not feeling good about my life. He kind of just, you can pick that up based on the way he says things and what he's saying. And there's a lot, there's so many songs like that. That's a really fun example, though. But, yeah, that's kind of what I I try to take the Margaritaville approach when I write is, like, don't be so descriptive that people can't interpret it through their own experiences. Uh, yeah. Which is, it makes it a fun process.
0: So how do you go from, from one song to actually making an entire, you know, putting together an entire album from a writing perspective, but also like just as a musician sitting there being, you know, how did you decide that was something you wanted to do?
1: It was always something I wanted to do, but it was never something that really seemed feasible until college. I had a lot of help on the production side, but it was like, so I had done some with a friend. I had done some pretty rough recordings of some of my songs. And then right before graduation, I had this one song. And I was like, I want to record this. So we recorded it and we, added like we did like multi-track so it wasn't just one take me sitting in front of a microphone it was like multi-track let's try to get the best sound out of the acoustic guitar we can let's add some piano in let's get the best vocal take we can and that song was saint patrick's day and so that yeah thanks so that was that was the first kind of taste it was right before graduation i remember like hearing the final product and kind of thinking to myself okay like That's good. I can, I feel really good about that. Like, I wonder if we took this sort of care on the other songs, would they sound that good? That's really where the initial inspiration for like making a full album could come from. So I had already gone. I had drinking. I had St. Patrick's day and I had temporary. And I was like, I feel really good about those songs. That's And that's at least an EP. So like, let's try to do this. And then from the process of starting to when we ended, I I wrote and recorded Sunday's Best. That was the second one that we recorded. And so we had Sunday's Best and St. Patrick's Day. And I was like, okay, we have a duo of good songs here. So let's see what, what else we can do. And then No Time for Leaving, Wildness try all came during the process of while we were recording this album and I there was one or two songs in there that I had that I ended up scrapping that I don't even remember at this point that just didn't fit but like I said I had a lot of help on the production side and other people willing to like just jump in and from an instrumentation standpoint I like I played guitars obviously and sang and wrote them all but from like there's a lot of auxiliary instruments on there and there's some keys and that was all other people that were just willing to help and some of them I are were good friends of mine some of them I didn't even know some were just like acquaintances and then but they were all like down to do it and I think the approach that I took was just like I trust you guys to make the art right artistic decisions like the vibe of the song kind of speaks for itself so like do a few takes of what you think sounds good and send it back to us. And then my friend Jordan who produced uh, the whole thing kind of used his judgment and helped pick the good parts out and really make it into a more cohesive album, which was, which was cool. But yeah, I had a lot of help on that, that side of things. So I'm looking forward to, I'm trying to do more, but it's all solo right now. So, which is a new challenge for me, but it's, it's been interesting.
0: Yeah. So you said it was something that you always wanted to do, but didn't really seem feasible. What, what kind of change, what made it all of a sudden seem feasible? Was it recording that first song or.
1: Uh, It was recording the first song, but also realizing like, so I was at a, I was at Fredonia, which is, there's, it's basically like liberal arts state school and they had nice studios there. And I had a friend who was willing to like help me record some of them. And that was really the game changer for me was this like, kind of like you see these pictures of like the Rolling Stones or John Mayer, whoever it is in these like top line, top tier studios recording. And it just seems so far in the realm of like fantasy that it's it's hard to touch but then when you realize like oh you don't need that you can do these recordings in a quiet room in your house with the right gear you can do these recordings you can rent a studio you can rent an engineer like if you have some money to spend you can you can really make this work or make it happen rather so that's really where it kind of started to come into play now i had no money i had like no studio but i had a friend who helped like open the door for me to realize like this is a possibility we don't need like the big fancy studio world to to help make this happen and there was a little bit of uh i remember one of my one of my friends who i was living with at the time mike mike cleaver he
0: said yeah, uh, cleave.
1: yeah cleave said we we're talking about something different but he said if you've if you want to do something, there's always a way to do it and that was like kind of cool to me. It was well, a cool,
2: words,
1: yeah, so it was a cool perspective. We were talking about something completely different, but I remember that was that like stuck in my mind where I was just like, i want to do this, like why shouldn't I do it? I've always wanted to, so like it's one of my like I kind of said earlier, like I don't really. I don't really brag too much but I tell people I'm on Spotify all the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you got to. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty easy to get on there but like I I I'm, I'm pretty proud of it and like it was really cool seeing when we did like the CD release show and we had a lot of family members there and friends there and they all oh, had like my shirts on and that was just kind of a cool feeling for me and it's I'm not going to if it's just me on this planet and it's just me recording just for the sake of me. Like, yeah, that's fun, but it's more fun to record something, share it with someone and have them like listen and then listen again and be like, yeah. this is cool. You did a good job. Like that's really rewarding for me. So I, I like that feeling a lot.
0: Yeah. Well, I was talking to one of our friends, John, the other, like a couple of weeks ago God, and he was, I I told him that I was going to sit down with you and and he was like, Oh man, I was just listening to Wildness the other day. That album still slaps, man. Yeah.
1: I think he sent me a text <laughs> with almost the same thing. He said, and him and I don't really text. He just sent me a text that was like, Hey man, wildness slaps. It's like cool. <laughs> cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it <laughs> um, does. He ain't lying.
1: Th- yeah, thanks, man. No, it's it was a fun process to like write it and I'm really happy with it. I, some people tell me it's sad. I don't think it's that sad. I, I like it's it a lot. Like That's sounds- nice. So
0: yeah. So how did you end up, What? how did you decide on naming the album Wildness? Obviously, it's one of the songs, but what was kind of your thought process in terms of naming it?
1: Um, that just kind of like, I, I went on a few different, there's a few different titles I had. At one point, it was No Time for Leaving, which is one of the other tracks in the album. But then I went on a vacation with my family up to the Adirondacks and where we spent a lot of time and like, I remember leaving the mountains and not really have like, not really wanting to go back to suburban cubicle life. And
0: just kind yeah. of like,
1: so I had this, I, I got home. And that night I was like, I was like, I don't really want to be here. So as <laughs> I, I watched a documentary, I want to say it was a Ken's burn, Ken Burns documentary, but it was like, I could be wrong in that, but it was about the na- the national parks. Okay. And so, and like the origin of the national parks and they talk about John Muir a lot and John Muir, they quoted him, but he said the word wildness a few times in some of his quotes and that word just kind of stuck with me. Cause it wasn't like, it was very deeply like human and like kind of summed up how I felt to like, like existence should be like at its core or maybe even is at its core. It's just like, we're kind of, we're just here. Like we have all this cool man-made stuff. Like we all live in houses and apartments and have phones and that's all great. But like, if that goes away, we're still going to be alive. Like we're still at our, we're still here. Uh And we have to deal with it. Cause at the end of the day, we're like, we're animals and we're just a species here. And, there was a lot of like, I had a lot of religious thoughts going on in my head at the time and trying to like grapple with all that. And just the whole concept of the universe and nature, whatever you want to call it, like being the one true thing that like you can't really disagree with kind of latched on to me. And I so I wrote that song again pretty quickly. I was trying to write a song like, I was trying to write like a Jack Johnson type song and came out with that, which is not really too much Jack Johnson, but like (laughs) that was me just trying to write like a simple song that summed up like how I felt. And I think I did it.
0: Yeah. Well, what I love about that, it is, it's just, I think you're right. It is just like strip away all the frills, bare essentials Mm -hmm. at, at the core of it or wild animals. Right. And I think there's something really calming about that. Mm -hmm. There's like a real sense of clarity that comes with that. Yeah. That even just, you know, thinking about it, but also, you know, I get the same feeling that that you, you do, you know, going up to that around X or wherever you're in the mountains, but get off the grid. There's just like a whole different level of calm. Yeah. That you have.
1: Yeah. It's, and it's, I was never like a very religious person, but I always like grappled with that idea. And then for whatever reason, I remember driving home from that particular trip. I was in my car, like me and my sisters drove separately and my than my parents. So like we were all in my car and I just remember we had the windows rolled down and it was a sunny day. And it was just kind of like, this is it. Like, this is all I care about really is like, you know, going back to the religion thing, cause that was a big part of it for me. I was just like, I never really got behind the idea that there was like a God or anything like that. Uh, at least in my young adult life, I never could really, I found myself distancing from that a little bit. And then
2: sure.
1: I had this kind of moment where I was like, like, I don't have to believe in that stuff, but I do believe in like that I came from something bigger than myself and I'm going, when I die, I'm going to go back to something bigger than myself. And that part can still be true. And you don't have to believe any of the, that other stuff. Like, So that's how I kind of reconciled my personal beliefs with, like, the rest of the world. It's just kind of like, yeah, it's it's... I get where that's all coming from. It didn't work for me. So I found my own way to, like have some bigger purpose or higher power or whatever you want to say. Yeah. So that was an important that I know it's a quick song and it kind of, it's this, I think it's the shortest song on the album, but like, it's, that was an important one to me, I think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Do you have a favorite lyric or a favorite riff on the album?
1: My favorite riff I played for you already.
0: That's a good one.
1: I like that one. Favorite lyric. I have a few that I like a lot. No Time for Leaving was like an important one for me because I was struggling with like, I wanted to leave my hometown, but I felt I felt like I was being like guilted a little bit into not leaving mm-hmm. by specifically my parents, but a lot of people that were living in, in the area. And so that song was an important one for me. I'm trying to think if there's like a lyric on there. Yeah. I think I said something a lot. that was more of like a letter to the people that wanted me to stay. Whereas it it's like, I think there was a line I said, please don't think that I won't be back. It ain't like that, you know? And that was yeah. like, just very, very true. So that one sticks out to me. Yeah. Yeah. And a try, I think also has probably my favorite lyric where I say, I've seen people jump ship just as the sun's about to rise. I was pretty proud of that. Yeah, that's a great lyric. So, that chorus, I had, I was part of a group, me and a group of friends, we would call each other like every week and just kind of throw lyrics out there or like whatever we were working on. But we would, for me, it was always lyrics. It was a small group. And I put out, this was before the song was in existence. So, I put out, I don't want to leave your side. I'd like to be here my whole life. I think I'll live forever, baby. I think I'm too scared to die. And that was it. Like, that's what I put out. And that was all I had at the time. And I liked the juxtaposition that like, or like flipping the whole living forever thing on its side a little bit and looking at it from a different angle of being like, if you don't take any risks, if you don't take chances, like, is that really a life worth living? So like immortality becomes kind of, unappealing at that point so i was i liked that and like the feedback i got from one of the guys in that group who was typically pretty analytical and critical he's he was like i he's like i didn't like it and then you sang the last line and i liked the last line and that made me like the rest of it i was like cool (laughs) so when i was after i wrote the three verses to that song i kind of plugged in like, I don't want to leave your side. It's was like, that kind of works, but I needed like the knot at the end to tie it all together. Cause like it, those lines and the verses didn't really fit. But that one line of like, I remember toying with it a little bit. I had like, I've seen people go crazy just as the sun's about to rise. I had one other one, but ultimately like the one I decided to go with was I've seen people jump ship just as the sun's about to rise, and I that one just like s- sticks with me. I think that one's a yeah, one of the ones I'm more proud of.
0: Yeah, yeah. no, it's a great one. Very true too.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Uh, thanks.
0: So, if somebody was interested in like they wanted to write a song, what do you think is like the minimum? kind of skill set the baseline the the kind of least amount of skill you have to have in order to write a song
1: i mean i don't want to be like a hippie here but like just being a person is all you need to be you just need to be like truthful from a lyrical standpoint anyways just be like truthful and you can i mean anyone can sit down and write a poem whether or not the poem's any good is up for interpretation but like really you're you're your own audience so if you're proud of it then that's really all that you can hope for. And today you really don't need anything else beyond that because we have you can get pretty a lot of recording softwares for free. And a lot of those softwares have built-in drum beats and chord progressions and things like that that you can just kind of play with. The barrier for entry is very, very low, which is kind of cool. If you want to make it better i think you have to step back and like look at things from outside of your own perspective so you have to look at how is the listener going to feel when i say this or how is is this interesting for someone else to hear because the answer is not always yes when i did no time for leaving i had some really like dark lyrics in there and then I cut them. They were I thought they were good, but I cut them because I was like, this is too much for people and it's gonna take away from the song. So I cut yeah. I cut them and replaced them with other things. But yeah, so like you have to be empathetic and be able to look at things from outside of your own shoes if you want it to be listenable by other people. But Barry frankly, there like really isn't one, which is kind of cool.
0: Yeah. So if I had to write a song in one afternoon, how would you recommend I do it?
1: I would say, so if if you have one afternoon, like don't maybe don't try to do it right away. Let it kind of like go for a walk or something and just let your mind go where it goes. And then just kind of go with that. I heard Neil Young one time say like, you can't, he's like, don't force it if it's not there if it's not there, it's not there. And it's not going to be, and if you force it, it's not going to be truthful. It's not going to be honest. And if it's not truthful or honest, then like, what's the point? So it's like a little bit of just letting it come to you. So if the goal is like, all right, you have to write a song by one o'clock today. It's like, all right, maybe go for a run in the morning, eat eat some breakfast or like write, right away when you wake up, which is a, Technique that some people use, like when your brain is not fully up, try to like do something. I've read that in a few like creativity type books, and it's like if your brain's not awake fully, then you're gonna you're gonna avoid the typical pitfalls that your fully awake brain would encounter. Uh, so it's a very scatterbrained answer to that question for you, but
0: no, I like it. I like it. <laughs> All right, one more question. If there was one thing that somebody could do to appreciate music more, what would it be?
2: I,
1: I think the biggest thing that I see is people just don't engage with it. People are starting to do that more and more again with like the vinyl bounce back, which has happened over the last like 10 or 15 years where you like, because the process there is you take out an album, you put it on and it's like, it plays through. Like you're not picking which songs you want. You're not picking the order. You're just experiencing it. I think that that is really cool. Like there's very rare or very few circumstances where people can like actually allow themselves to listen to music uninhibited. So like in this, in this situation that we're in right now with the stay at home order, what I've been doing every now and then is like, if I don't want to watch TV or don't want to read, I like, I'll shut my lights. I'll shut most of my lights off. I'll keep like one of them on just for mood lighting. And then I'll like put music on, on my speakers and like back the chair up. And I just listen to an album. I'll find an album that I either one that I already love that I haven't listened to in a while or one that's a new one, but I try not to think about it too hard and just like, what do I like? Just, it's like, what, just go with it. Like, what am I feeling right now? This one. and and just like just actually like let yourself experience it you're gonna come away with a new appreciation for it that's i think that's my best advice and listen to uh listen to john prine if you don't listen to john prine now is as good a time as i need to start listening to john prine
0: john prine appreciate i guess i gotta listen to john prine i haven't listened to him
1: uh yeah yeah he's great he just just passed away which is why i say it's as good a time as any but he's uh he'll make you feel good about being a person make you feel good about being alive yeah he can make you i heard i think it was jason isbell said this he can make you laugh and cry in the same song it's like yeah
0: so he's a good combo
1: yeah listen to him or listen to whatever else you want but just listen i guess is the best advice there
0: yeah well i think that Listening to music as like a standalone activity is so underrated. I feel like so many people do it, you know, as like a secondary thing of I listen to music when I work out or when I'm driving or, but just doing nothing else, but listening to music.
1: Yeah. Yeah, It's funny. Like I've gotten more into running over the last few years and I don't listen to music when I run anymore. And I don't know why that is, but like, there's a little bit of, you know, when you're reading a book, when you're watching a movie, when you're exercising or whatever, like you're fully in it and you can really appreciate whatever it is you're doing. So like music should, I think, get that same sort of treatment. Cause we all, we all love it. Like to bring things full circle here. Like I always, I always thought that every household like just had music on all the time. And it's like, that wasn't, that turned out not to be true. But what I found was, every household did have music that they listened to. It just wasn't all the time. And like yeah. people, everyone's got music that they listen. There's I've met like one or two people in my life that are like, yeah, I just don't listen to music. And I
0: immediately, I don't understand.
1: Like music, <laughs> give them
2: <up> that <laughs> relationship.
1: <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's everyone's got music and everyone's got music. They appreciate. And it's, I think like it, be unashamed of what you like. There's there's some Bieber songs that I love. There's I I yeah. have an Ariana Grande vinyl. Like uh it's there's <laughs> I think if you don't like someone because of uh who you think they are based on like the media, I think you're selling yourself short.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a good point, just to not write off an artist yeah. before you listen. Yeah, the music of an artist just because of who you have in your head they are
1: right yeah i think that's a really important thing is just listen be unashamed of what it, it's i the good my dad whenever you'd ask him like what kind of music he li- likes he's like his answer is like i like good music like it's like yeah okay <laughs> 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 that
2: makes sense.
1: you don't have to define yourself yeah i guess you don't have to like limit yourself to certain genres or like music that you think is boring or whatever like you should like the music that you like and don't be embarrassed about it don't be ashamed about it be like proud of it i was actually thinking about that leading up to this this chat where i was like what shaped my musical upbringing i remember my i said my dad bought that charlie parker cd for me and like i was so he bought it for me in third grade when I chose to play the saxophone. So it was before I actually played the saxophone. I was the only like third grader listening to jazz music. And yeah. Kids can be brutal. And, <laughs> but I, and I, I remember being self-conscious about like just about everything. I had a unibrow I had a mustache. Like there was a million things to be self-conscious about, but for whatever reason, I never remember hesitating or being ashamed of the music I listened to. Cause I knew it was great.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: There's something There's something deeper in that I'm sure. But like, I think the lesson for me was just like, take it all in. Don't judge it. If you don't like it, you don't have, you know, you're not going to like everything. There's music I despise, but like, if you give it a chance, you usually find out that it's like, maybe it's worse than you thought it was going to be, but most of the time you're going to enjoy it a lot just by like setting your phone down and like just getting a bourbon, getting a glass of wine and just listening to an album. Yeah. Or a song, listen to a song on repeat. I do that sometimes too.
0: I do that too. It's very, uh, Zen.
1: Yeah. It's, it's fun to do. Like I forget what song I had on recently, but I accidentally had it on like the single repeat on Spotify. And I didn't shut, shut it off for like 45 <laughs> minutes. It was one song the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Do it's that. Beautiful. Definitely.
0: All right. Cool. Well, on that note, my scotch is just about out. Yep. Same. Um, so any closing thoughts before we wrap up?
1: No, thanks for having me. This was fun. Yeah, um, it was. Yeah. Yeah. This was good. It wasn't like the Go oh, Rogan well, podcast at all.
0: <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad.
1: <laughs> we didn't listen. We didn't talk about DMT or anything.
0: So last thing, Wildness is on Spotify, Apple Music, basically, and where you listen to, to music. But I did, uh, I told people I was I was chatting with you, and I think I got at least five or six people asking when album number two is coming out. So you got any any hints for us?
1: No, no hints right now, right? I have a few songs that I'm just trying to see if I can record and see where that takes takes me it might be an ep it might just be a few random singles but ideally it'd be another album all
0: right That's but something. there's something in the works
1: uh, yeah yeah definitely I'm trying to anyways
0: we'll right. see <laughs> we'll
1: see if there's some good that comes out of this virus but
0: yeah <laughs> all right I'll take it man <laughs> cool all right well uh thanks for taking the time absolutely cheers buddy cheers You're listening to a podcast I produce for subscribers of my new newsletter, Adapt, which documents my pursuit of new talents, including songwriting, artificial intelligence, cancer recovery, starting businesses, cooking, wine appreciation, and whatever else strikes my fancy. Subscribers get access to this and future episodes in their favorite podcast app, limited edition products in the online shop, and monthly giveaways that raise money for some of our favorite charities. To me, being human is about being more than one thing. So if you've got some time and want to broaden your horizons, click the green subscribe button on your screen to subscribe for free. And tell me what you want to learn about at SeanJay.net.